1: Good morning Brew Daily Show, I'm Neil Freiman. And I'm Toby Howell. Today we have a very special guest, three-time Olympic gold medalist, Sean White. We'll be talking to Sean about his
0: new apparel brand launching on Shopify, what a gold medal actually tastes like, and some new trick ideas I had for him. It's Tuesday, December 26th, let's ride.
1: This is definitely one of the most surreal episodes we've released and one that I think you'll really enjoy because Sean White is one of those people who excels at everything he touches.
0: I, and I'm sure a lot of people at home, have such a distinct memory of watching the Olympics and wondering, all right, what is it that makes this guy so much better than everyone? And legitimately, the first jump he did
1: made me do a double take. The dude could fly. But what I love about Sean is that he is still getting after it to this day. He's replaced the half pipe with this new business of his that you you will hear about on the show the man never stops doing flips
0: i cannot wait to get into it but first a quick word from our sponsor yahoo finance we have our first gold medalist on the show today So it's only fitting that it's sponsored by Yahoo Finance. Okay, how are those two things related? Well, speaking of gold, Yahoo Finance is also the number one finance platform on the internet, trusted by over 150 million visitors globally each month.
1: That might be the first time Sean White has ever been compared to Yahoo Finance, but I'll allow it. Head to finance.yahoo.com today to see what the heck Toby is talking about, or download the Yahoo Finance mobile app to get it directly on your phone. Now to our interview with Sean White. Sean, thanks so much for
0: hopping on the pod. It's great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> you're entering a new chapter yeah. of your life as a business owner, but also as the ideal customer of your new product, Whitespace. How has that mm-hmm. influenced kind of the development of Whitespace? I'd imagine you're very hands on in kind of the
2: development of a lot of the products that you're, you're selling. Yeah. Well, that's the best part. You know, honestly, I've been sponsored by so many brands since I was a kid. And, um, you know, not only was it a great learning curve, but like you notice along the way that when you join these companies, they already have this mold that's built. They already have like, this is our logo. This is our slogan. These are the colors we use. This is the message. This is everything. And it's my job to best kind of like support and promote what they're doing but try to be myself as well you know so fit that mold but then try to be me in the in the middle of it so i don't kind of alienate or or have fans of mine think, Oh, he's changed because he's now with this sponsor something like that, you know? So it's gotta be like authentic to me, but when you start your own company, I mean, you're really creating that mold. Like, Oh, this is, this is what we're about. This is what the, the meaning um, behind the brand is. This is what we're going for. And, um and that, that kind of sends you down these different roads and paths. And so for me, it's been really fun to, you know, figure out what that mold is. And then like, you know, get the feedback from the customers and, and different things and, and just kind of build from there. It's like this, this amazing sort of competitive thing. That's not uh, my traditional uh, way of competing, you know, but just like trying to make things better every time. Um, but yeah, that's the fun part. I'm obviously, I feel very qualified to, you know, go test the products, build the best boards, the best, uh, you know, outerwear, make these things so user-friendly Um And then, um, my brother, uh, who we, you know, worked with, you know, we worked together for years and years with different brands, um, came together to do this, this, this company. So it's been really fun working with him and he's always been like this incredibly creative, um, personality growing up. And, and so I'm, I'm more the, the, (laughs) the hands-on, you know, working on it and, and developing all this stuff. And then he's more of the, you know, helping me kind of, um, get the fashion element and the kind of message and the uh you know the pantone book with the colors <laughs> in it. I mean everything we sit there and go through everything so um so that's what you get you know when you when you you know end up buying the products it's, it's exactly what i'm using which is pretty fun i don't think there's many companies that do that you know i don't know if you get the same car the race drivers using Uh, Yeah, You know what I mean? Or whatever. Maybe tennis rackets, you maybe get the same racket, but I don't, you know, it's a rarity to go, you know, get the same thing that someone's using.
0: You are no doubt the most qualified person in the space to make something like this. What about the, I don't want to say less fun, but more of the businessy side of things. How yeah. has it been kind of, you know, setting up the trademarks, migrating over to Shopify? I know you recently did that. Mm-hmm. The more in the weed stuff, has that been something that you've picked up on really quickly or has that been more of a, a learning curve for you?
2: Well, it's both. I mean, I definitely, I, I have helped in that department. I have a good friend of mine, um, who it's so funny we became friends when we were probably eight years old uh his mom worked a check-in counter of the snowboard contest I used to go to and my mom was checking me in and she's like oh my son's got red hair too you guys should hang out (laughs) so so,
0: classic mom move. classic
2: um you know but I went down obviously my my road of athletics and sports and stuff and he had the different sort of you know um finances and, and and uh business development path and so we kind of came together in a, in a really fun way and so he's been helping me uh in that department guiding me but um you know yeah trademarks are always difficult you never know where and who's using what and and the rules are different in different countries so you have to kind of um you know either play nice with somebody or if it's too similar to you know it's really difficult to to do that but um i would say switching to shopify was probably one of the easier decisions, you know, for us, um, you know, they have some of the biggest businesses in the world um, using their platform. um, And, uh, you know, we want to be competitive. We want to be doing what, um, you know, solid solidified companies that know exactly what they're doing have been doing it for so long are continuing to do um and it's just funny i think that shopify started as a snowboarding company i don't know if you know that um yeah we're gonna bring that up people yeah people listening know that but the the the, um the creator of shopify was like man i really want to sell these snowboards and there was no real you know, great way to do that. And so he created the software uh, or the platform of Shopify and then went, wait a minute, maybe this thing's <laughs> not so much a, a snowboard brand, but maybe there's something in this platform that I've built, which is pretty awesome. So, you know, we've talked to um, to the team over there and they've been really supportive and um, we've, we've, we've done some collaborations with the brand White Space. And um, so, yeah, it's been really fun to like, Uh, have full circle on that come back to making snowboards again with those
1: guys (laughs) so you famously signed a sponsorship deal with burton when you were just seven years old how did that experience inform the way you're thinking about signing young athletes now that you're on the other side as the sponsor oh it's a trip it's so weird
2: (laughs) i well, i would say more just that like You know, it's an individual sport, snowboarding, and it was always very focused on like my goals and my uh, next step and what you know competitions and my tricks and my training and me, 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 and um, and now to kind of put that side of life, you know, on the back burner and be able to you know sponsor young and up and coming riders, um, it's amazing. I'm checking in on the Instagram, like, oh, they got the 360 down. Like, I'm like (laughs) such a proud dad, (laughs) like it's been awesome and it feels so good to see the products out in you know the the wild i guess you could say um uh, you know changing um the way people ride and that's that's kind of the goal and so when i can support like a young up and coming rider it's really Um, fun for me on many levels obviously it's great for the business to have the product out in the market and getting the feedback from real riders that are out there Um, because I can't ride the youth boards obviously Um, but you know getting that feedback and and supporting their careers because when I was sponsored at seven I mean it wasn't that I was the best rider out there I just happened to kind of right place right time Um, they didn't make kids boards and they they sent me one like hey you know test this out, let us know what you think. Maybe you should enter some competitions and that really like, you know, springboard my career. Um, and obviously snowboarding is a pretty expensive sport. So, you know, family of five, you know, we'd load up in the van, having a, having, you know, free board and, and maybe some travel money was that meant the world to us. So,
1: Do you think these 12 year olds are hesitant or a little intimidated to give you feedback on your product? <laughs>
2: Um, I don't think so. I mean, it's, it's cool. It's like, I, I'm like, I want to hear it. Give me, give me the scoop. I mean, it's fun. And um, you know, there's just that common, I think um, respect among athletes, any, any athlete in general, but I think it's more of um, a fun thing that I can now like go meet up and ride with these athletes or like, you know, support their career from afar, you know, some, some, some way. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely given new meaning to my new sort of uh um you know my new life's goals <laughs> it's, uh, it's so bizarre obviously this 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 string of competitive snowboarding has like been the common um you know thing that's that's carried me through life for a long long time and so uh now that that's kind of set aside this new thing's developing it's really fun to see
1: see and speaking of you as the proud dad uh you recently uh are <laughs> are involved in a youth camp up in Oregon. would love to hear more about what you're up to there.
2: Yeah, man. I'm so excited about this. Um, we closed a deal recently with an amazing uh, group of investors and a guy named David Blitzer, who's just incredible. Um, but we're investing in, in the youth camp space. You know, we want the next generation to have the best facilities, the best experience, the best products. And it really aligns with what I want to do with white space and, what I think snowboarding needs right now um, and skateboarding in, 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 in these sports. So I'm thrilled. Uh, the camp is up in Oregon. Um, it's where I used to go as a kid. I mean, if you watch, I have a, I have a documentary um, that came out on max and um, there's a clip in there where my dad's talking about this camp that we would go to when I was a little kid. And he's like, man, he would just snowboard all day. He would skateboard all all afternoon, and and he'd just fall asleep in my arms. I, he's like, I I I I think it was the best time in his life, you know. And it really was. It was this thing I just loved being there. And so to have that full circle come back and be a part of this camp that's up there, um, is just so amazing. And it gives me like this excitement to go there personally. So we can give you more information about it if if you have some young ones that want to come up and ride, uh the new facility and and with me it's going to be incredible but um but yeah that's 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 one big step in the right direction for i think uh myself and and where the brand's headed
0: so speaking of kind of that younger generation you didn't really grow up in kind of the social media age or the TikTok age and some of the internet hype that one thousand percent would have gone your way probably didn't <laughs> go your way because it just wasn't around are you almost grateful for that in a sense? Or do you ever think, damn, it would have made life so much easier if there was so, a bunch of kids with iPhones filming everything you did kind of as you were starting out in your career?
2: Um, I don't know. I mean, what happened happened. So it's 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 hard to think I- any differently. But um, I don't know. I loved this thing. You know, w- when I was growing up, they had these VHS tapes that would come out. There were these snowboarding videos and everybody would wait. And this coveted, tape that you know this this movie that would come out and people just waited and then watched them religiously um and try to find the songs that are playing during the parts and this favorite athlete and and if you were toward the end of the movie that meant you know you had a you know bigger part or you had you know the more important writers i I guess you could say were toward the end the closers of the video and it was this coveted thing so i definitely think that having social media destroyed that a bit just because now you're posting the clips you know real time but i think it's fun to be able to be involved with you know people that you're interested in friends family you know or celebrity types anybody that you're like i don't want to know what they're up to and you get these quick updates of what's going on so it definitely changed it in a way i wouldn't say for better or worse it's just it is what it is but um but i i remember when social media was happening and um It was a really bizarre thing because I was just like, I don't understand it. Like, I just thought it was like another type of YouTube where you're supposed to just post like crash videos or like ridiculous things you saw. So for the first few years that I was on social media, that's all I posted was just like videos of dogs falling off, whatever it was. You know what I mean? Like really lame stuff because I didn't get it. And then I finally went, oh, okay, I understand. It's a it's a platform that you can kind of like keep people updated on on current events, all these things. And anyways, but yeah, I, I missed the mark a bit, I think, when when that all came through. Um, but um, but nowadays, yeah, it's like it's just like uh I'd say for me, it's like a double-edged sword. Like I, I really love it when I wanna get a message out there, but I'm definitely not um you know um you kind of have to tailor what you're putting out do you know what i mean you kind of you can't you can't just blast stuff and then some stuff that i do is just super boring and they're like just post what you've been up to and i'm like dude i've been like gardening and <laughs> i've been like straight i come home and i'm like oh the-
0: <laughs> well i,
2: the hedges, I like the garden- hedges
1: need trimming that the hedges need to be You know, people farming and gardening is some of the most popular TikTok content out there. So I wouldn't uh, write it off. I have
0: to ask you about some of the stuff you put out on social media, because what I recently came across one of your videos and it was literally just you eating while watching someone doing an extreme, extreme sport. I think they were snowboarding over desert dunes and you have a few of these yeah. videos that go insanely viral and it's literally just you yeah. sitting, eating something and watching. How did that come about? Cause there's some of your most viral videos.
2: Yeah. So I think what happened was my, my social media, you know, I'm a, I guess a manager, I don't know. He's just like my friend that helps me shoot while we're out. And he's like, you got to get on TikTok, this new thing, TikTok. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. And, and he's like, just duet this video. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, it'll just split screen. You'll do the video. Just talk about what's happening. And it was basically a guy that was hiking in the back country um, in Colorado and came upon the area where I built my like private half pipe. And um anyway, so I'm like, all right, well, I, I don't have time. Like I'm I was eating cereal, I was like eating my breakfast. I was like, can I just I'm just gonna eat in the video. <laughs> this thing like took off of just me just eating, like, and then uh and then he kept doing it during breakfast or lunch or whatever. And so now I just like eat in these videos. <laughs> and now people are like, oh, what's he what's he eating? Oh, that looks pretty good. <laughs> Uh, that's goals. A okay, bad ed-
1: dig, though. It's, yeah. it's no, that's yeah, seems pretty easy. I wish I could do that. Yeah, yeah. I probably have to win a few uh, gold medals first. Um, so we're yeah. approaching yeah. the new year as we talk, and a lot of our listeners are probably thinking about their new year's resolutions. And from what I've read, you have this unique goal setting process. Would love to hear about that, uh, and how you set yeah. goals.
2: Oh, yeah. So, I mean, for me, I've always found that. You know, goal setting's incredible. It's something that just like, you know, if you're running, it, it, it's hard. If you have no finish line, you're like, you got to get somewhere. And I, I feel like putting something out there in the distance really helps me, you know, kind of make the most out of my year and, um, and my focus and everything. And obviously, like a big one, normally, like, a, like for example, a season would be like, okay, I want to win the Olympics. That's a huge goal. That's a huge thing to take on. But then I would have all these little goals along the way that either had you know kind of something to do with the bigger goal um you know when i was younger it was all about like winning cars because i was about to get my license and they were offering cars can you believe it they're offering cars at these competitions so i'm probably like 14 or 15 i'm like i i gotta win these cars and so my whole season became about trying to enter any competition that was involved with like a uh that had like a car sponsor (laughs) so but so trying to win the cars, you know, it's a fun sort of thing. And, and that was kind of in line with, you know, like obviously winning that event would then put me in a better position to do well at the Olympics. So it was all kind of like these little things to get to um, the bigger goal. Um, But um, I think the thing about it is, is that you really have to, know what you want out the gate because I think a lot of people tend to tell themselves something different than what they really feel inside. And that's a hard one. So take your time before you set that goal and really go like, this is, this is what I want. And is this something that's disguised as something else? Or is this truly what you want? Because along the road, you're going to get challenged. Like things will happen, you know, and, and things won't go your way. And, and that sort of like inner, um, you know, promise you've made yourself of this is what we're doing can get, you know, tested by people around you by, you know, circumstances. And if you really know what you want, then it's easy to kind of like push that aside and keep going. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's been something that's like served me really well over the years. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It's definitely um, not, it's easier said than done.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think oftentimes most people struggle with what they should be striving for, what type of goal they should be set, than actually achieving that goal. And so for you, you know, professional snowboarder, it was relatively easy to figure out what you wanted to achieve. But I think for the vast majority of us, we're like, well, I'm supposed to set goals now. I I can yeah. I can set a very ambitious goal but I kind of have no idea what I want to yeah. to achieve because I'm just living a regular life so Yeah but it doesn't
2: it, it doesn't have to be like a bummer I mean everybody um like this is the you know like I hear people all the time like I got to do this and I'm like dude listen to what you're saying I'm like it can be fun. Like it can, like even going to the gym can be fun. If you make a bet with a friend or something on the line, So st- like any you're buying coffee today, if this happens, like I would do those kind of jokes and bets all the time to just keep it fun. Because if you're having fun doing something that's like a serious thing or whatever, like that's, it just helps it so much more. It's just like, um, you know, even if you have a, a simple bet with your buddy when you're watching the game, it makes the game so much more enjoyable to, to, you know, to, to be there watching. So I I I, I tell people to kind of like have fun, like find a find a way to make something that's usually not enjoyable really fun. And then you're off to the races.
0: I actually do want to ask you about some of the success you've had. So there's this famous study from the nineteen ninety two Olympics which found Bronze medalists were actually happier with their hardware than silver medalists were. And you have obviously won a lot of gold medals, but you've also won a few bronze and silver in the X Games and various mm-hmm. things. Does that track with your experience? Were you ever happier with a bronze medal than with
2: a silver medal, being the first loser? I kind of get that, honestly, just because something about second place is really hard to swallow sometimes just because you're like, God, I was, I was so close. I just... I could have done this or I should have, that should have done whatever, you know, it, it kind of like eats away at you. And, and, you know, especially like in a judged event, like snowboarding, you know, it's like, they didn't like my grabs. What was it? My pants were too tight. Was it the style? Like, what was it that, that didn't push me over the edge? Um, and so, you know, at least in third, you're kind of like, I hit it, you know, and, 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 <laughs> Potentially, people could be like, he was robbed. He was <laughs> he was robbed of that, that glower. He should have gotten silver, at least. Uh, I don't know. I think that's just the, the thought process behind it. But I would say that it's a difficult thing to actually win as well, because what's left after you win is just this sort of like, well, I did it, what now? Um, where at least in silver or bronze, you can be like, all right next year next time like this is what's gonna happen you you have a, a a a fire burning you have a purpose and a passion and and you've tasted it but it was it wasn't what you wanted now you gotta you go back where if you win you're just like okay i well, did it i'd love to I guess have we that. do it again no i know trust yeah. me it's a it's an incredible feeling but it's also like you said in the question it's kind of this fleeting sort of mm-hmm. um well what's next sort of feeling um, and then the expectation comes because you're the champion. It's like, okay, well, you're expected to win, deliver. It's like a comedian walking out, like, all right, make me laugh, let's go. <laughs> you know, it's it's hard, um, but yeah, I guess I, that that would be my only, uh, I don't know, two cents on on that that sort of question.
1: Repeat, repeating thought. as a champion is so hard to do, you know, in any sport. Just to have that drive and that discipline to go out there again a year after you conquered the world, and you're like, all right, well, mm-hmm. how do I how do I get the motivation to do that again? So people like Djokovic and you and other mm-hmm. other athletes that are perennial winners is just pretty impressive. I do actually want to know yeah.
0: what what does a gold medal taste like? You know how you always bite it after the end of an Olympics? <laughs> does it taste metallic? Oh, sweet,
2: sweet honey. Sweet, 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 <laughs> sweet victory. Sweet victory is what it tastes like. <laughs>
1: More with Sean White after this break. Half-pipe walls were 11.5 feet tall when the event debuted in Nagano. And now, Mm -hmm. if I'm correct, they're 22 feet tall, so they've almost doubled. How high is a half-pipe wall going to get?
2: I mean, I... I could see it getting a little bit bigger. I just think with the speed that we're taking now and the tricks we're doing, I mean, it's bumped up to triples. If we're ever going to see a quad or something like that, I think the walls might need to get a little bit bigger, or at least the half pipes need to get steeper. Um, You know, because when you do your you do your air, you know, the half pipe wall is kind of falling away from you as the mountain drops. So not only are you going up in the air, but the the mountain's falling away from you. Um, And I know. I know a lot of folks out there might think like, okay, bigger means, you know, more airtime and more speed and that equals danger. But I kind of see it in the opposite, not the opposite complete way. Definitely those are factors that can be more dangerous or add a level of, of danger to the sport. But I, I, I always explain it. Like if you had an airplane and you're trying to land it on a small runway it's, it's pretty intimidating. The, the room for error, the margin for error is very small. And so when you have a bigger half pipe wall, picture it being a bigger runway to land on. Yes, you're going higher, you're going faster, all these things, but you have more more time in the air and more, more runway to land on, which is really nice. I mean, I remember hitting the half pipe walls and just missing the wall completely and just landing on the bottom blowing my, well, luckily I was a kid. So I just explode and then just get back (laughs) up and keep going. Um, go get all my stuff (laughs) as my goggles flew everywhere. But, um, but that's how I look at it nowadays. And, and, and like I, we, you know, we talked about camps and, and things like that earlier. Um, you know, we're building these, these facilities that have airbags and foam pits and these, this technology that helps people try tricks in a safe environment. Um, you know, which is, I think a really awesome tool to get somebody. It's like, I mean, we talked about airplanes. It's the flight simulator before you fly the actual plane. It's something that can get you acquainted with what's happening before you actually do it in the real setting, um, where there are consequences. So, um, You know, it's it's crazy to see, but yeah, I don't know. I I I bet I could see them getting a little bit bigger, but I'll definitely be in the booth going like, "Wow, those half pipes got big." (laughs) You know what I mean? So (laughs) not out there. I won't I won't be up there stressing like, "Oh my god."
0: (laughs) So you're probably best known for the double McTwist twelve sixty, which is. Three and a half twists and two flips, which is just mind-boggling to, to wrap my yeah. head around. So to kind of wrap up the, the show, I want to run some new trick ideas by you. So you just tell me what you mm. think about these. I'm These are trick names, okay? okay? So this one is okay. called the New York Times Crossword 720. It's a trick that's supposed Oof. to be three spins, but two-thirds of the way through, you kind of just give up on it. And you
2: just get a coffee or something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Midway exactly. through, you're like, you know what? Forget about it. <laughs> I think I'm done with that. That is the I'm nerdiest. into it.
0: I'm He's into it. it. Look at it. And Sean could could definitely uh at pull this it off. point
2: in my career, yes. Yes. Halfway through, just like, uh, let someone else do it.
0: <laughs> I actually do want to ask you though, how do you end up naming your tricks? Do you kind of develop the trick and then you're like, all right, we gotta name this, or is it something where you start naming it, and then you start trying to pull it off at the same time. How does the naming work? Yeah,
2: I think there's like a technical name, so double Mick Twist. Mick Mick Twist is 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 a Mick Twist is a skateboarding trick named after a guy named Mike McGill, the Mick Mc and Mick Twist. And so that happened. And then when we started snowboarding, it was similar to skateboarding, and a lot of the skateboarders were snowboarding, so they just kind of like stole the trick names from skateboarding. So um, we're like, oh, it's a Mick Twist, but it's a double so it's the same trick two times over and then the the numbers are just degrees of rotation so you know 180s half a circle 360 540 720 900 1080 um um it's not as sexy when you break it down like that. Yeah. It's way more fun to be like the double McTwist. Wow, yeah. Can I order that at McDonald's? Yeah. Uh, I no, but they're they're all broken down like that, and then you could give it a nickname. Like everybody, I was calling that one the tomahawk or something, and so people are like, oh, the tomahawk. You know, it's like you can you can give it a little name if you if you invent it.
0: Yeah. I heard a rumor that you wanted to call it the Tomahawk because you had a giant Tomahawk steak kind of like the night before you did. Is that a
2: true story? Literally, That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> I was like, like, do you want the Tomahawk steak? I was like, yeah. And then my coach was joking. He's like, it was the Tomahawk you ate. <laughs> I was like, it must've been all that meat. <laughs> I like, okay,
0: I love um, it. But I-
2: yeah, I, I know like Tony Hawk named a trick. After he's like, none of these, you know, no, I think he was naming tricks, but none of them were sticking. And he was like, I need somebody like, incredibly famous. So it just catches on. So he named a trick the Madonna, after mm-hmm. Madonna, and it just was like, Oh, now the Madonna, the front side of Madonna. It just took. So. The, the, the stake wasn't as famous as tr- Madonna is the yeah. issue, guys.
1: <laughs> I think if you named a trick after Donald Trump, every, <laughs> snowboarding popularity oh, would go nuts. The Dua the, I was thinking. the Donald Trump 220, 2260. I don't know. I was I was wondering how high can you count up in one hundred eighty degree intervals.
2: Oh oh god! I mean, <laughs> pretty high. Who's it? He just did a twelve sixty. I want to say or no, he eighteen. Uh, what was it? What did he do? Um, I'll post about it later, but, but yeah, there's an Italian snowboard that just set the record for hot biggest spin. I can't even add it up. It was that much. And I was That's watching like- it, trying to count it, slowing it down. Like, did it really? <laughs> uh, but it's, it's wild to, to see where the sport's going. I mean, it's definitely like you think there's a limit and it just keeps pushing past that, which is pretty fun. And I, I think it's so special about the sport of snowboarding that like, you can kind of invent something and be the best. There's only so many things, you know, or I guess ways to run a play or throw a ball or kick a ball, in you know, traditional sports, but snowboarding and, and some other sports, it's really just like your creativity, you know, um, that drives it. And I, I think that's so cool.
0: You know, you're, you're pushing the limits when even Sean White can't keep up with how many spins you just did in a video. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, f- thank you so much sean for jumping on the show today i certainly learned a lot about everything from gold medals to how the future of snowboarding looks and it looks bright everyone go check out white space for sure it's ski season coming up and i'm in the neat i I have my final question is i'm a skier can skiers wear white space Of course yeah i mean that's that's
2: the fun part i mean we do a big get together um, every season and we have skiers, we have snowboarders, we have people that just hang at the lodge. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's the whole point. I mean, that the brand was built to be, you know, winter wear. So, um, you know, I'm in New York city right now and there's only so much stuff I can pack to get to where I'm going. And I'm like, well, I got to ride in Switzerland or I got to go to Colorado, but I also am in New York and it's cold. I want something that I can like wear in the city and look normal it's fashionable, but then it's got the function of like it can withstand whatever I'm going to throw at it on the mountain. So we make underlayers and all this stuff. And so yeah, I feel like you know if you're if you're somewhere cold or you just want to you know a nice uh, coat to go to to school or work, yeah, check it out. whitespacenow.com snow.com. Oh. White <laughs> space
0: for for skiers, snowers, yeah.
2: and uh, just podcasters. Cold people. Yeah, podcasters, cold, cold people.
0: <laughs> this thank was, you, Sean. This was awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you both. Till next time.